Jesus says to his disciples, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is God's word. Well, I uh, like this passage. It talks about fathers giving gifts uh, to kids. I have a confession to make that I have somewhat of a terrible track record of giving gifts to my children, at least uh, when uh, they were younger. Uh, it, it's not that I... Um, really, the reason is quite simple, because I'm an idiot. And you will see why. For instance, when my children were young and I was raising them up to be real men, I thought it was time for them to have knives. You know, it's important to have a pocket knife when you're a kid. Well, maybe when you're seven years old, that's a little bit young. And so I thought to myself, well, my older kids will get bigger knives, but for my youngest kid, I'll get a small knife because he's a small guy. Well, of course, small knives cut as badly as big knives. Uh, and so I had to endure the withering gaze of my wife when my seven-year-old cut uh, his finger with the knife that I gave him. Or, or perhaps not having learned my lesson when I gave my children machetes, uh, because every red-blooded American boy should have a machete. And, of course, it went somewhat south when one of my children uh, threw one in the air, and it happened to uh, hit my other child in the back. Uh, it did not stick in the back. Uh, so I gave them dull machetes. Great gift, Dad. Uh, no, it wasn't that I had a bad heart. It was simply that I was dumb. But this passage is quite amazing because it basically tells us that we can approach God the way a child approaches his earthly father. It says to ask and to seek, and to knock. And furthermore, it tells us that God, our Heavenly Father, only gives good gifts to everyone who asks. This really is quite amazing when you think about it, to be able to approach God as our Father. This is someone who is all-powerful, who created the entire universe, who sustains it. He's omniscient, he knows all things. He's also loving. He's demonstrated that in his character. There isn't a, 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 any evil in him. He's holy and good and righteous and just. And he promises to respond. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. And so thinking about this, that God calls us to come and to ask him, and that he has the power to respond and the willingness to respond, when I think about that, I think that perhaps the greatest tragedy in this world is that we don't come to Him. Indeed, that we have little inclination to come to our Heavenly Father, to ask for His help with our needs, from the smallest to the greatest. Now, why is that, that we don't come to Him when God uh, has all the answers and the desire uh, uh, to, to listen and answer our prayers? Well, I can think of just a 
couple of reasons. I think uh, I don't think it's as much uh, that we don't think that he can answer. I think it's much more that we think that he won't answer. That we doubt our relationship with God. See, the problem in our heart of hearts is that we don't see him as a loving father. But God says to us in this passage, trust me as father. Come to me as father. Ask me as father, and I will respond to you as father. See, the point that God is trying to make in this passage is that when you truly embrace me as your father, it's then that you will have the boldness of a son or a daughter. So we're going to unpack this passage and look at what God is trying to communicate to us. And we're going to look at three specific points. Number one, the point, why should we pray? Why we should pray. Point number two, why he will answer. Why he has said he will answer. And then finally, number three, that vexing question, what do we do when prayer doesn't work? So let's begin with question number one, why we should pray. I think the first reason we should pray is because he invites us to. Notice here where it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. In fact, if you look at the Greek, it's, it's actually not a request, it's a command. God is calling us to come to him, to ask, to seek, and to knock. And the way the verbs are in the Greek, it would be actually more accurate to say, keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking. Notice that uh, the passage is, is bringing out the point three specific times. There isn't any punctuation in Greek. And so whenever God wants to really put an exclamation point on stuff, he says it three times. It's as if God is trying to say to us, trying to get through us, I really mean this, people. I really mean that I want you to ask, to seek, and to knock. For really, those are just three ways of saying the same thing. Why we should pray is because he invites us to. But why we should also pray is he promises to respond. Notice here in this passage, this short passage, seven different times he tells us that he will respond to our prayer. Ask and it will be given to you, number one. It will be given to you. Seek and, number two, you will find. Knock and, number three, it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, number four, receives. And the one who seeks, number five, finds. And to the one who knocks, number six, it will be opened. And then at the very end of the verse, in uh, 11, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, what God is saying to us is, I know what you need. In each instance, I know what it is that you're searching for. And I will respond. I will respond to your requests as you make them. Furthermore, God actually promises to respond to everyone. Notice verse 8, for everyone who asks, receives. Now, it is important that we understand the context. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to those who have decided to follow Jesus Christ, who have decided to trust in God as their Heavenly Father and Christ as their Savior. But to those who are followers of Christ, he says to each one of you, to everyone, for everyone who asks, 
receives. That means if you're a super holy Christian, or if you're a really struggling with it Christian. It means if you're old. It means if you're young. Everyone who asks receives, not according to your ability, because everyone really means everyone. And what that means is you and you and you, each one of you people, if you are a follower of Christ who is listening to this sermon. You're part of the everyone, aren't you? Jesus is going over the top to encourage us to pray. Why? I think it was Martin Luther in his commentary on the uh, Sermon on the Mount that put it probably in the best way. He says he knows that we are timid and shy, that we feel unworthy and unfit to present our needs to God. We think that God is so great and we are so tiny that we do not dare to pray. And that is why Christ wants to lure us away from such timid thoughts, to remove our doubts, and to have us go ahead confidently and boldly. I find it interesting that he uses these words, ask, seek, and knock. I don't know if you remember as a child, maybe you're still a child, wanting something and going uh, to your father. Now, he might be in your presence, and so you simply ask it. Dad, this is what I want. Can you get this for me? Can you do this for me? But sometimes when you want something and he's not there, what do you do? You go looking for him. You seek. You start going through the house. Maybe you shout a couple of times saying, Dad, Dad, and when he doesn't respond, you start going through room by room looking for him. So when you find him, you can ask. But maybe you come upon him and he's in his office. You know, we have a lot of people working from their house right now, right? And uh, you hear this knock on your door because there's a door between you and your father and you need something from him. And so there's the knock. And here comes your child walking in. Hey, uh, you know, son or daughter, I'm busy right now with work. You know, I got to work from home. Yeah, that's all great, dad. I want a Slurpee right now. What they care about is what they need. And so, if you're not with them, they'll go seeking you. And if you're behind a door, they'll knock, and they'll enter in, and they'll talk to you. They'll ask. There's, a, there's an almost boldness to it of how a child relates to their father that they are comfortable to. Why does God have to spell this out so clearly to us? Because the reality is we rarely do it. Maybe we throw up an ask, but if we don't get an answer right away, there's no seeking. Maybe if we do seek, we come to a door, there's maybe a half-hearted knock, but then in the back of our mind we say, he's too busy. He doesn't care. He's got other things to do. He's busy running the universe. He doesn't really have time to deal with me. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to do this by myself. So we take matters into our own hands. I think it's very interesting as we've, you know, this coronavirus thing has come upon us. It's a good analysis, if you will, of our hearts. How much time have we spent going to our Heavenly Father and praying for guidance? Have we asked and seeked and knocked 
Or have we spent more time getting information from all these variety of sources? Have we spent more time focusing, you know what, there's no one out there for this except me, and so I better get my act together, and moving into action. And the result in our lives is stress. Because the reality is we don't fully know how to deal with this thing, right? I mean, this is one of, in America, we love having it all together and knowing all the answers and being secure and safe. And maybe for the first time in a while that we have a, a, a curveball that's been thrown at us. And the result of that, does it drive us to God to seek wisdom, to seek His favor, to seek His protection? Or are we really flying blind, trusting in our own uh, abilities because we don't trust that God actually cares or can do something about our situation. I don't know if you remember the movie Bruce Almighty. I think it was 2003. Uh, it, it was a great movie with, uh, what's that guy's name? Drew Carey. He's a television field reporter for Eyewitness News on WKPW in uh, Buffalo, New York. And he's got this job. He does sort of the side uh, you know, little clips, but he really wants to be the news anchor. Well, he gets passed over to be the news anchor, and he gets fired. He's like, kind of, he, he, he like freaks out, and he gets fired, and his life is kind of falling apart. And Bruce, at, at some point, turns to God and says, God, you're the one that should be fired. You're not making things happen the way that they're supposed to happen. You're, you're the one who's screwing up. And so he gets this text message uh, to come to a warehouse, and there God meets him uh, and promises to give Bruce omnipotence uh, so that he can uh, do things to prove that God is doing the job correctly. Well, the rest of the story is Bruce using his powers and not being able to do uh, you know, and really making even more of a wreck of his life. And finally, finally at the end, uh, Bruce begs God to take it away. But you know, as I, look at this as I look at this movie, what I discover is the truth of the matter is that Bruce never prays. Not seriously. Not until the very end where he asks God to take away this power. See, Bruce is expecting God to do stuff, but he never asks. Because he doesn't believe that he's really there, that God really cares. He's only upset when his life falls apart. Bruce has been living a life independent of God and reaping the fruits of that. See, the point I'm trying to make is that we were never designed to live our life independent of God. We were designed to live a life of constantly asking and seeking and knocking and God responding in a variety of different ways and learning to trust in God's power, in God's wisdom, in God's understanding. But the way we all too often live life is that we try under I power, under our power, Show me how you pray, and I will show you what you believe about God. Is your life constantly 
trying to figure this out? Is your life full of not asking at all? Or asking half-heartedly? Not seeking, not knocking? Take reassurance from this passage. God says, come to me. Come to me for wisdom in trying circumstances. Come to me for help when you don't know what to do. Come to me for reassurance that I've got this all figured out. Come to me for favor that I would tell you that you are the apple of my eye, that I have not forgotten you. Because when you truly embrace God as your father, you will have the boldness of a son or a daughter. This brings me to my second point, why he will answer. And the answer is really quite simple from this passage. Because he is our heavenly father. Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. Now, it is important to answer the question, isn't everybody God's child? And the answer is no. Kind of not really. He's our father from the sense that he created us and he's in charge of the world. But it's a different thing to actually be a son, a daughter of God, to be adopted into the family of God. In fact, that's the language that God uses to adopt us into his family through Christ. Imagine if I went to my uh, biological children right now and said, uh, uh, three sons, sons, I have an announcement for you. I'm going to adopt you into my family. They would all laugh and say, that's ridiculous, Dad. We're already in your family. Why would God have to adopt us if we're already in his family? And so the answer is that God must adopt us. And the ones he adopts are those who actually want God to be their father. Not like Bruce Almighty, at least not in the beginning. Bruce didn't want a father. He wanted a butler. But those who want the care and love of God. Those who... Trust in Jesus Christ. And so God gives an example in this passage showing that he is a father by comparing himself to earthly fathers. Notice verse 9. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for, asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks him for fish, will give him a serpent? He's talking to these disciples and there's actually a crowd around. And he's saying something that we understand that almost all dads, at the very least, care for their children and want to protect them and give them sustenance and food. There are some truly evil people out there, but 90-whatever percent of fathers really want to do their best to care for their kids. And so he says, which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Well, no dad would do that. No decent dad anyways. Or if he asks for fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? He's arguing from the lesser to the greater. If these earthly fathers will do this, how much more will your heavenly Father do? Uh, give better gifts, give good gifts. See, the difference between earthly fathers, as he says, is that they're evil. But God's nature 
is perfect. He's perfectly righteous. He's perfectly holy. He's perfectly just. And He's perfectly good. He gives good things out of the goodness of His heart. His very nature demands that He would give good things to His children. But it's not just His nature that Jesus is referring to. It's His decision to adopt us. It was St. Augustine, the theologian, who said, For what would He not now give to sons when they ask, when He has already granted this very thing? Namely, that they might be sons in the first place. In other words, why would God adopt us as His children and then begrudge anything that children would ask as children? See, the cost for God to adopt us was exorbitant. It was the cost of His Son. Romans 8.32 puts it this way, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? See, God gave us the first gift, which we never deserved, those who are Christians, the gift of His Son. Jesus, the Son of God, had to experience not God's blessing, but God's wrath, so that we could experience not God's wrath, but God's blessing. You see, Jesus, the only begotten Son of the Father, asked for bread and got the cross. Jesus asked for fish and got a crown of thorns and 40 lashes. And the truth of the matter is Jesus asked willingly, knowing that God would not respond because Jesus came to give His life as a ransom for many. See, the basis of our relationship with our Heavenly Father is not how good we are, but on the basis of His Son, Jesus Christ. Notice how the Scripture, where Jesus is talking to His disciples, saying, if you then, who are evil... He's speaking to them in their context as fathers in this analogy, but the truth stands that the disciples are evil. And the truth of the matter is that the only children of God on this planet are evil children. How can God love evil children? It's because of Jesus Christ. See, we are forgiven but we're still fallen. We still make poor decisions. God isn't finished with us yet. We're not truly, fully resurrected in our bodies. But even though we're evil, God makes us children of God because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 puts it this way, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. The result of this, my friends, is that we can come to Him with our impure motives, with our fallenness, with our brokenness, and God promises to give us good gifts. 
to every one of his children who asks us because he's for us. I don't know if you remember that all-time classic game you used to play as a child, My Dad Can Beat Up Your Dad. It's a great game. My, my father uh, was an All-American baseball player in college. He was a great athlete. He was a strong man. And uh, I was blessed with a, a loving father. I knew that my father loved me. And so it was easy to play the My Dad Can Beat Up Your Dad. Because my father was strong and loving, I knew that he would come to my rescue if I needed him. See, that's why we can come to God, our Heavenly Father. Because he's strong and he's loving. He's for us. He's my Heavenly Father. Is he yours? Jesus Christ sent his Son into the world to make us sons. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Today, you can become a son of God, a daughter of God, if you are not yet. If you trust Christ to be your righteousness, and if you want a heavenly father over you, to rule you, to defend you, to protect you. If you're tired of being alone and trying to figure this thing called life out on your own, I have good news for you. Because if you're a Christian, this passage screams, come to me. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Our Heavenly Father provides for us the scriptures say in Matthew 4.19 and that he will give us all things according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He will meet all of our needs, it says. Our God will protect us. Matthew 10.29 tells us that not a hair can fall from our head without the Father willing it. He comforts us. He even disciplines us because he's growing us up into something. We have a destiny in him. When you decide, my friends, to truly embrace God as your heavenly Father, to ask and seek and knock to come to Him, you will have the boldness of a son and a daughter. Leads me to my final point. What do we do when prayer doesn't seem to be working? I mean, it's easy to look at this passage almost as a formula, isn't it? In fact, this passage is one of the most abused passages in the Bible. I mean, it says, if you ask, you will receive, right? So if I put the quarter in, I should get the candy out. Well, there's a difference between what it says and what it means. It does not say, ask and you will receive, means ask and you will receive the very thing you ask for when you ask for it in the way you ask for it doesn't say that, and it doesn't mean that. Because here's the reality, my friends. A child will often ask for bread, uh, uh, ask for fish. But what happens if the child asks for a snake? You ever wandered into a pet store with your little child, 
and they look at the lovely pet boa constrictor behind the glass and say, I want one of those, Dad. Give me one of those. Unless you're me, a complete idiot, you don't give the boa constrictor to the child. Who of you, earthly fathers, if your child asked for a boa, will, constrictor will give him one. See, that child can't see, can't understand that that isn't what's best for the child. But our Heavenly Father knows. He's not just going to give us the good. He's going to give us the best. Even when that doesn't make sense in the beginning. You know, the reality with Jesus Christ is that the thing, the path that God gave Jesus to go to the cross was a horrible thing. And yet, even there, as we sit on the other side, God knew that he was going to resurrect Jesus. God knew of the glory that he would receive. He gave Jesus what was best for him. And he gives us what's best for us. And so the truth of the matter is, we can trust our Heavenly Father. We can come to him. We can bring all of our things. I remember one, one pastor, I, I heard him telling the story. Someone from his congregation came to him and said, Pastor, I really, really want this Lexus. What should I do? Should I pray for this Lexus? Pastor said, yes, absolutely. And if God gives it to you, guess what? He wanted you to have it. And if he doesn't, you can be just as confident because God only gives you the best of what you need. We can come in our fallenness, our brokenness, our impure motives, and we can come to our Father because He knows what's best. The passage tells us, my friends, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be open. During these challenging times, is it not more critical that we go and find our Heavenly Father and look to Him for wisdom, for guidance, for power and strength, for peace? And the confidence we have is that God will give it to us at His proper time, in its proper way, that we need not live through these times with stress, but rather we can live with confidence and boldness and love, for God gives us everything we need. For when you truly embrace God as your Father, you will have the boldness of a son and daughter. Let's pray.